The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And you're listening to the Chris and Joe Show presented by SB Nation. I'm Joe DeLeon here with Chris Flum talking New York Giants football. And we have our very first preview episode where we're going to be previewing the Giants week one matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing pretty good. You know, Hurricane isn't here yet. Got a little bit soggy, but I'm doing good. Yeah, hopefully that doesn't end up uh, reaching you. How far on that path is, is Dorian on uh, on where you're staying? Well, it's going to go right past me, but I should be fine. I'm not in the Bahamas, so. <laughs> yeah, I got you. There, there's some murmurs that it might make its way up to the East Coast up even further, up to like Rhode Island. Potential to impact my game this Saturday, so I'm crossing my fingers I don't have to snap in the rain. Not a fun experience. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, don't, I, I wouldn't want to do that. Exactly. So we're going to go right into it, Chris. And the way we're going to go about it today is breaking down the game plan offensively and defensively for the Giants against the Cowboys this week. So what do you think the general approach needs to be for this Giants team if they want to be effective on offense? That's almost a really difficult question to ask because we didn't see their three best offensive players. We didn't see Sterling Shepard because of his thumb. We didn't see Saquon Barkley because he was in bubble wrap. And we saw Evan Ingram for all of about five seconds in the third preseason game. Yeah, I know what I'd like to see from them. Yeah, I'd like to see them use Saquon Barkley more efficiently. I spent a lot of time detailing how they could do that in a piece that went up last week. I'd like to see them get Evan Ingram down the field and really attack, use his athleticism to really attack coverages and kind of stretch the passing game in ways it just wasn't last year. And I'd like to see them move move Sterling Shepard around and create and force matchups where they can really take advantage of his route running, his play strength, his quickness, all of the things that are the strengths of his game. That's what I'd like really like to see out of them. 
You really hit the nail on the head there, Chris. Exactly what I was thinking is that they need to be aggressive. This defense is very underrated in how good it is. And we saw that at the second stretch of the of last season in 2018 with guys like Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith really coming on hot. But this secondary is very good. Uh, their pass rush is very, very effective with Taco Charlton and Dexter Lawrence. So they need to come out being aggressive. If they are in any situation where um, the Dallas defense has the hand in the deck and they've got the, the cards um, balanced in their way, they're going to dominate this game, but they need to be aggressive. They can't allow this talented defense to take advantage of any mistakes that they're making. Um, I, again, the passing game is very, very key here because we can only assume that Saquon Barkley will probably have a very good game behind this new offensive line. But if the passing game's not moving and Saquon rushes for 100 yards, you're not really going to win a football game that way. No, no. You, As good as Saquon is, they they need the passing game to be effective. You know, they need to use all those guys who may not be star receivers, but can at least get the job done to keep the chains moving and to really force Dallas to defend the whole field. Because if they aren't, they can just stack eight in the box, swarm to the football, and the offense is just going to spin its wheels. And as an addendum to that, I'd really like to see them do the complete opposite of what they did in the first game last year with Barkley in the passing game and have him catch the ball 14 times for 80 yards. You know, let him go down the field too. Let him run some angle routes. Let him run some wheel routes. Line him up as a slot receiver even. We already touched upon very briefly, and I I mentioned Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch. Will they be a problem this week, or can we expect and, and really hope that this new offensive line that was built over the offseason will be effective and maybe at least slowing them down a little bit? I think it will be, just even just based on the strength of the Giants' guard position. You know, matching, you know, they're good linebackers, but the Giants do have good, good guards to match up against them. So hopefully those guys will be able to get to the second level, hold their blocks, and really kind of create creases in the running game and keep any inside pressure away from Eli Manning. He was good rolling out last year, but I'm not sure that that's a tactic you really want to rely on for a full game, especially against a defense like Dallas's. Getting to the second level is very, very key in that situation, specifically because they're very, very fast. They're very, very athletic, rangy linebackers. So if you're getting in the second level quickly and your guard play from Zeitler and Will Hernandez is good, which we said last episode that they're the potential to be a top five duo. So if they play well, um, they're quick to getting the second level and getting um, movement off of you know any double teams and trying to make those additional next level blocks. That's going to be really important in slowing them down for especially a very, very talented young duo in Smith and Van Der Esch. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. The, the part I do worry about, which the Giants got a little bit lucky with, is on the edges. You know, Demarcus Lawrence has become a really good edge defender, and you know, I'm not exactly sure what, how they're going to match him up because Robert Quinn is dealing with a suspension, so he's not going to be playing, which is that's a blessing for the Giants because if they had both of them on the field, that could cause problems because then, you know, how do you, how do you line up your pass protection? Where do you put the tight end to give double teams? Can you be chipping Saquon Barkley or Evan Ingram or Rhett Ellison 
every play. Yeah, the fact that they only have one guy like that to worry about is good, but Lawrence is going to be a handful for Nate Solder and Mike Remmers, whichever one he happens to go up against. So you open up the very important talking point for the offensive game plan here. What really needs to be done to counter Demarcus Lawrence? Because he can be a game breaker at times. He can rack up four sacks if you let him. And he's certainly one of the more dangerous pass rushers and another guy along with this defense that's very underrated. So what do you think that they need to be done? What needs to be done in order to counter him? Well, since they don't have to worry about guys coming on both sides, I would try to as often as possible arrange to have a double team on Lawrence's side and if not a straight double team then definitely get get those chips going as often as possible and even though I said you don't want to rely on it I would not be opposed to seeing Eli out on bootlegs and changing the launch point moving the pocket and just keeping him away from the pressure also I wouldn't mind seeing an RPO or two going in line with that though I think another important thing is not so much a strategic thing, but not allowing yourself to get in a third and long because if you have to get in a, a big step drop, a five-step drop, something deeper than that, the Giants don't do a ton of that. But if he is in a, a third and long situation where um, a play has to take some time to develop, Demarcus Lawrence is going to have plenty of time to get to him. So the Giants are very effective at getting the ball out in short yardage situations, which we saw last year. Again, a big thing, if, if they're not effective on first and second down, Demarcus Lawrence will have the opportunity to to absolutely tee off on Eli Manning because as good as Nate Solder is at times, he's not really that perfect in pass protection. No, Solder is almost he he's a frustrating left tackle at times where he will look so so good, but then against some guys he will just have breakdowns. You know, normally it's players like uh, D Ford, like we saw against the. Bengals where you know, he got beat quickly but against guys against guys like Lawrence you can't take anything for granted yeah you know, as you said avoiding long down in distance not letting the defense tee off on Eli is going to be key now Solder is a part of this newly revamped offensive line that spent two seasons to rebuild and strengthen and bolster how do you think they're going to do um, in this first game, the first time we're going to actually get to see them in a full game action all together on the field at the same time with Saquon Barkley running behind them. Realistically, I think there might be some growing pains just as guys get used to playing together. The team coaches, they tried to give them as many reps in game situations together as they could, but you still can't have your starting offensive line play four full games in the preseason. That's just not a thing that's going to happen. So it'll probably take them time to gel, and it might take some time for Saquon Barkley to get used to just the tempo of their blocks and setting blocks up and just how the running lanes and creases are going to develop. But by the same token, it's also Saquon Barkley, and you never know when he's going to make magic happen and just out-athlete some of the best athletes in the world. I don't know about you, Chris, but I'm going to be pretty confident in their ability in the run game just because... This Dallas defensive line, besides Demarcus Lawrence, isn't really that scary to me, especially in the interior. Um, you know, Malik Collins, Antoine Woods, they're, they're good quality defensive tackles, but I think if this offensive line is in good momentum and they're in good chemistry, they should be able to open up some pretty big holes um, in, in this game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, I think, is where the addition of Kevin Zeitler is going to show up. Because he is one of the most fundamentally sound 
offensive lineman you are going to see at any position. When I was watching his tape, I couldn't help but describe his blocking as mechanical, but I don't mean that in a bad way. When he is not at too much of a speed disadvantage, which just as a side note is why I was terrified that Jadavian Clowney would wind up in the NFC East because when the Browns played the Texans last year, Zeitler got pantsed by Clowney. But when he is not at too much of a speed disadvantage, he is just a machine. From the ground up, everything is textbook almost every time, just as long as he is not trying to rush too hard or play too fast. Zeitler is going to be a very big key for their offensive performance. But before we break down the defensive game plan, we're going to take a very quick commercial break. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Now, flipping things to the other side of the football, the defensive game plan, are there any key points that you think that the the Giants need to do in their game plan to have an effective day and slowing down a relatively productive offense? Biggest thing I think is going to be not losing the line of scrimmage. Yeah, they've invested pretty heavily in their defensive front seven. They cannot allow the Cowboys offensive line to dictate the terms of the game. I don't expect them to win every play, but they're going to need to win the majority of them for the defense to be effective. So you're talking about the offensive line. I think another thing that goes along with that is Ezekiel Elliott, who is set to return this week after signing his extension. Um, I think a really big thing is not allowing him to get into space because he's an athlete. He's a great running back. He takes advantages of holes when they're given to him. We've seen that in the past few years that all he needs is a little bit of sliver of room and he can be at the second level in a you know a split second. He's that good and that good of a level of acceleration. But what goes in line with that, I think, is that they need to force Dak to throw the ball and put the game in his hands. If they can slow down Zeke, keep him under, realistically, let's say 80 yards, that's being very optimistic. But if they're able to do that, Dak Prescott's going to be forced to throw the ball a lot on third down um, and, and not it's going to be easier to not allow the Cowboys to be efficient on third down if he's the one who's deciding what happens in those particular instances. Yeah, definitely. But I think as a part of that, they the Giants also have to be able to get pressure, which, again, with Dallas offensive line finally healthy, is easier said than done. But they need to get pressure, and something they didn't do last year, they need to capitalize on that pressure. The defensive secondary is basically brand new. The only returning member 
of the starters anyway is Janoris Jenkins. They're, they're going to have DeAndre Baker. He's going to be getting his baptism by fire. Antoine Bethea, who should help with the communication and lining guys up and really quarterbacking the back end of the defense. And then Jabril Peppers is probably going to be all over the place. But just as a unit, those guys need to make Dallas pay for any mistakes Dak makes when they, or if they are able to force him to basically win the game with his arm. I think one thing with Zeke that isn't being analyzed a ton right now, but I'm sure it will be as the week continues, is that do you think that he's going to be as impactful without having training camp under his belt? Any team uh, functions or anything? No real reps over the past month? Like, do you think that's going to be enough to, or not enough to take him out of the game, but do you think that's going to impact his performance? I think we'll probably notice a difference, especially like in the first quarter and the fourth quarter. You know, the first quarter when, you know, maybe shaking a little rust off, and then the fourth quarter when, you know, he's might not be in football shape and used to really going through all the sprints and cuts and taking hits and being forced to really fight with guys and pass protection and all of that, just playing a football game. It it might take him a little bit to get used to that again. The the big key with the and you and you said the perfect word, which is him being in football shape, because despite what he did over the past month, despite if he was conditioning or not, he was not getting hit. He was not getting tackled. He was not running a football in team drills or any of those types of situations. So I think that's going to greatly impact him. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's under um, 25 touches in this game, um, be, you know, especially because of the lack of work that he had over the summer in, in, in a specific uh, football setting. So uh, you already kind of touched upon how this offensive line is going to affect the game. We have Travis Frederick back who missed, I believe, the whole season last year due to an illness. He's back, who is essentially the anchor of this offensive line. What needs to be the approach if they want to not allow them to dominate this game? The Giants are going to have to bring their A game because they, there really aren't any weaknesses on that offensive line. Tyron Smith, Travis Frederick, and Zach Martin are basically three of the best linemen in the league and three of the best players at their respective positions in the league. I suppose if you're looking for something to exploit, you could go after Connor Williams and Lyle Collins at left guard and right tackle, respectively. But they're still at the very least, league average players. There isn't a whole lot of room there to exploit. At the very least, I would hope just to not lose ground to these guys and f- basically fight them to a standstill and then hope James Betcher is able to really make some things happen with his blitz schemes. Yeah, James Betcher has proven last season that he is an aggressive defensive coordinator. So I think the, the real big key here is just not making things easy for them. You know, if you talk to any offensive lineman, if you ask them, you know, what's the easiest situation for you? And that's if nobody blitzes because picking guys up is pretty clean um, in that situation. But if, if you get creative with the blitzes, if you, if you try to create pressure from different locations, make them think, try to get them out of position because as good as they are, they're not perfect. And the most uncomfortable position for them, for any offensive lineman is trying to react and pick up a blitz in a split second. So, Big, big key is don't make things easier for them, for them, 
be as aggressive as possible. But I, I like what you pointed out about Connor Williams being the young blood of this unit who was a rookie last year. Uh, maybe try and use him as that that one weak point, even if he is not the you know a bottom tier guard. Try to attack him and make him the most uncomfortable because eventually he might wear down more than some of the other guys on this line. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, you know, I am a fan of a gap blitz schemes. So use that to attack him. Uh, you've got a couple of athletic edges in O'Shane Zimenez and Lorenzo Carter. You know, let them do twists and stunts. Uh, Maybe get creative with how you use Dexter Lawrence and his size and athleticism. Jabril Peppers was blitzed a ton last year in Cleveland. I think he was tied for the most blitzes by a defensive uh, by a defensive back. Let him come from the second level where maybe they aren't expecting him. Spread their field of vision out. Make them pay attention to a lot of things and try to keep track of as many players as possible. I think that might be where the Giants can find success rather than you know, trying to attack them you know, player on player. So this last point that I know you're very, very curious about is that of Amari Cooper. He was traded midseason last year. He's uh, now a member of the Dallas Cowboys, obviously, and he had a, finally had a full offseason with them. So what do you think we're going to get to see from Amari Cooper? Is, is that going to impact the performance from Dak Prescott? And, and can he have a more impactful season or especially specifically an impact in this game? You know, I think so. And this is the one thing I am kind of wary about in trying to force Dak to win the game because Amari Cooper had a huge impact on the Dallas offense last year, just by giving them a true number one receiver. And I think with a full off season, a full training camp, a full preseason, he might finally become the receiver people thought he was going to be when he was drafted out of Alabama. You know, the first seven games before the Cowboys got Cooper, Dak Prescott attempted 29 passes a game, averaged 202 yards, and completed uh, a little over 62% of his passes and averaged about a touchdown a game. That's okay. That's really kind of bottom third quarterbacking. It's not terrible, but... If you have to rely on that to win a game, you're probably not going to. After the Giants, or sorry, after the Cowboys got Amari Cooper, Dak went up to 36 pass attempts a game, about 275 yards per game, just under 72% completions, and averaged a touchdown and a half per game. That, all of that is just under, or right around a top 10 quarterback. Yeah, that's basically the same numbers Aaron Rodgers put up last year. That is a big impact. And in fact, even Ezekiel Elliott got better. He carried the ball more often and averaged about a quarter yard more per carry on those carries with Cooper than without him. Just for me, how the Giants deal with Amari Cooper, how they roll their coverages, uh, whether or not they bracket him, double team him, that's going to be important, I think. And you know, hopefully they'll be able to engineer as many reps with Cooper on Janoris Jenkins or Jenkins on Cooper as they can, because that's a tough matchup for a rookie like DeAndre Baker. Yeah, it's a really big, important thing there is not allowing 
rookies to be the in one-on-one situations with him. Amari Cooper really could be after that full offseason be a serious weapon for Dak Prescott in his arsenal and for this Cowboys offense. So the Giants need to be creative, especially with him, because you really don't know what you're going to get. Because effectively, if you think about it, you were only really seeing about 80%, 75% of his true potential because you can only do so much when joining a team mid-season. So they need to be careful. They need to be wary of the fact that he could play at a very high level in this first game if they allow him to. Yeah, I, if they don't treat him like a true number one wide receiver, you know, play him the way teams played Odell Beckham or play DeAndre Hopkins or guys of that caliber, they might be in trouble. They need to have respect for him and the impact he could have on Dallas's offense. All right, Chris, that's going to be it for us for our game plan. Do you have any closing thoughts for us? Uh, Hey, football is back. At least for right now, that's something to be happy about. I'm excited too. I really want to see some uh, some game action that's not preseason football. So we're ready to rock. We're ready to see what's coming for us. And uh, we'll also be ready to break down the game as soon as it happens. But make sure you subscribe, you rate and review the Big Blue View podcasts uh, that are available on Apple Podcasts and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. Also, be sure, if you don't already, to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Big Blue View. And the Instagram is at Big underscore Blue underscore View. That's going to be it from us, from Chris and Joe. Have a wonderful rest of your day.